here we go. Well, hello, everyone. I am that Williams guy, and Tiffany Johnson has called this this episode to order and told us to quit all of our nonsense in the pre-show and to get in here and get busy because she's got <laughs> stuff to do. <laughs> so on tonight's episode, well, first I got to do this. B twenty-seven. B twenty-seven. Somebody send up me a podcast bingo because Tiffany Johnson is finally here on that Williams guy, and we took six invitations to get her here no it's a one no 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 (laughs) no 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 you have been invited multiple times okay in person in person and in writing i won't fight you on your own show lee all right and also (laughs) akil kader's here hello akil what's up everybody (laughs) (laughs) all right well, before we get started with what we're going to talk about, we're going to let them talk about themselves. So, Tiffany, tell everybody who you are, what you do. <laughs> okay. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Tiffany Johnson. I am an attorney. Um, that's my day job. But in my copious amounts of spare time, and anybody who does this as a second occupation knows that that's a laughable notion. Um, But in that spare time, I work with Akil Kadir on uh, classes for Citizen Safety Academy, which is his company. He'll tell you more about that. But I also work with Tom and Lynn Givens under their Range Master banner, along with Lee and Akil and our other brothers, John and John. Of the two Johns, which is your favorite? Oh, I knew you were going to go there. I'm (laughs) not answering that. Not answering that. No way. (laughs) I love them both the same. uh, Hearn, it's okay to say that I'm Lynn's favorite when it comes down between me and you. (laughs) Just just yes. Akil? What's up, everybody? I'm Akil Kadir, um, lead instructor at Citizen Safety Academy. Down here in Middle Tennessee, just south of Nashville, um, where with Tiffany Johnson and a host of other great instructors, we uh, specialize in uh, what we call gateway instruction. And um, amongst other things, uh, I'm, uh, this is what I do most of the time, actually, now. I'm fortunate that um, this is my full-time gig. Well, I still do some, some side government work as far as uh, firearms instructing, but I uh, retired cop um, from Buffalo, New York. And I'm um, glad to be not doing that anymore. It's a great job, but, you know, it ran its course. So, um, yeah, just here. And I am also uh, a guy who follows, besides following Tiff around, I follow Tom around. Tom Givens, a range master. And this is indeed my range master family. And I'm glad Lee finally found fit to have me on his show. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Someone who has also been invited multiple times. <laughs> <clears throat> you've actually yeah, been on be. one of the you've actually been on one of the round robbers haven't you Akil? Mm-hmm. okay well, that must have been a primary or secondary episode that was primary I can't keep my own show straight sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. ryan was on the round was one round robin yeah ryan, ryan was on one and ryan, ryan was, was wrong was he yes he was ryan was wrong oh i, Ooh, I can't wait to tell him Ryan made the statement that for a right-handed shooter, learning to shoot left-handed would be like what it's like for a new person learning how to shoot, to remind us of that. Well, I am, as circumstances have dictated, a left-handed shooter momentarily, and it is not 
like it was when I first learned how to shoot. It's just wrong. <laughs> Man, that was, it's, that just, was <laughs> it's just wrong. Now, I'm fine. I'm fine once the gun is in my hand because I've done so much work with you. You guys have both attended my uh, my crazy sadomasochism pistol class. You, you know, should totally name it that. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've attended the class where we do everything support hand only, including draws, malfunction, clearances, reloads, everything. So I'm comfortable having the gun in my left hand. It, it, it doesn't bother me at all, but it always starts out on the correct side. Well, right now it's right, on the right. wrong side. And right. you know, Tom and I were having a phone call about this earlier today. I said, you know, what I'm worried about is if I get a go signal, in the real world is my right hand going to go to where the gun usually is and then i have to remember oh wait a minute it's on the other side <laughs> and then i go to it um for those that aren't aware i had minor hand surgery a week ago yesterday everything's fine i just stiff and sore and i have no grip strength whatsoever and i i, I can't depress the trigger uh without excruciating pain and so i'm lefty for now uh in a humorous note one of the deputies came in today in my office and challenged me to a shooting match because he said now that i'm shooting lefty maybe he's got a chance but i'll still <laughs> i'll still whip him <laughs> how does your support hand feel whenever i do um mirror my support hand it's it does it does feel the same it still feels very weird when, when, well, when I'm I on do, the gun yeah um when I have to shoot, most of the time I'd use the gun left-handed. I just use it one-handed because if right. my strong hand was working, why would it be in the gun? I mean, why right. would it be in the gun be in that hand? Right. Um, although you can, you know, brace across a wrist or something like that, get some support. Um, I tend to, when I'm putting both hands on the gun, if I'm shooting left-handed, I tend to go what most people incorrectly call a weaver. Mm, a bent elbow that. on the support side, locked up, locked arm on the strong side, well, on the gun side at that point, and because that allows me to get the weapon over more in front of, in front of my dominant eye. Mm -hmm. um, that is not a weaver stance, even though everyone tells you that's weaver. Weaver is defined as isometric tension. It's not arm position. Okay. People that I know that called Jeff Cooper Jeff and Jack Weaver Jack independently have told me that. And so I'm going to believe them versus what I read on the internet. Although if you hear this on this podcast, it's got to be true. <laughs> Larry Mudgett told me that. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Larry's, yeah. Larry's one of the guys, uh, Larry yeah. and Jerry McCall. It was yeah. the other. Um, so it just, it just feels wrong to have the gun on the, on the left side to getting out and be like trying to shoot support. I have not done any live fire since the surgery. So I don't know how recoil is going to affect uh, having my right hand as a support hand on the gun. So I'll probably, if I end up doing anything, just going to get the gun in the left hand and just go that way. And I'm fine out to 10 or 12 yards that way. And not running into any serious issues. So, well, all righty, Akil, you used a term in your intro that we need to define. And that's gateway instruction. So Akil, what is gateway instruction? <laughs> Hmm. I don't know where I heard the term from. Um, Tiff tries to attribute it to me, and I reject that. I heard I it somewhere. Continue and attributing whoever it to you. <laughs> I heard it from is listening or sees this. Please contact me so I can give due credit. What gateway instruction is is for us is um, we want it to be a ramp up 
um, and I'm gonna let Tiff speak on this because she's way more eloquent than I am. But <laughs> a ramp up to the, you know, to the, um, I want it to be a welcoming type environment for people who may or may not be already familiar with American gun culture. Um, and so, um, you know, where I've I'm, I'm been at this thing since I was, you know, a kid. So, you know, I'm doing this since the eighties and, and, you know, I remember, you know, how it used to be, you know, when people would come to, even my own, um, my dad was a firearms instructor. I used to help him. And I know how it, the culture was back then, even for him being, you know, a black firearms instructor at the time. And, um, and so something that me and Tiff talked about, you know, a while ago, as far as, you know, making this thing so that it's more in, inviting to people who may or may not already be familiar with, you know, who didn't grow up hunting, you know, who, what we call, who are from what we call gun culture 2.0, um, people who aren't, you know, their only exposure to firearms is through movie, TV, video games, and, you know, crime, you know, or seeing crime on television and things like that. Um, and um, being more welcoming to those people and um, focusing on the things that we think would make that experience um, rewarding and actually to make them want to be a part of the Second Amendment culture that, that, you know, I mean, some of the best people I know in the world are, you know, gun people. And I don't think, I think, you know, what guns has a big PR problem. And I'm hoping that, you know, what we do will help, you know, smooth that over and bring people in um, and make them want to be, you know, part of what we do. Um, and I, I defer to Tiff, because like I said, she speaks a little more eloquently on this thing than I do. <laughs> um and, and you know but it's 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 i don't and i know she's going to say some nice things and i want to i don't want to get ahead of her so you know please tiff and then i'll speak after her again he makes me so uncomfortable doing that i uh, first of all i will totally double down on my claim that akil originated that turn I, I, if you do find out that it's that somebody else started that term let me know Ak. but until i learn otherwise i'll keep saying that that's Akil's term because that's the first time I heard it and it totally makes sense. We call it gateway instruction because it's like an on-ramp. So Ak was talking about giving people an entry point into the training community. Anybody who lives in a medium-sized to large-sized city is familiar with like when you have the the um, the interstate, the big highway, and then you have the little service road on the side. Well, for people who aren't in the training world but are curious about it they're on that service road and if they don't have a safe on-ramp then their entrance into the training world is going to be kind of like somebody trying to drive up the side of the embankment to get on the highway it's going to be rough it's going to be ugly it's going to be uncomfortable it might be dangerous so we want to provide a safe on-ramp where people can go so they get true beginner instruction because what Ox talked about a lot, and I agree with him, is that many people who advertise courses as beginner courses, they're not really beginner courses. When we say beginner, we mean suitable for someone who has never touched, never laid eyes on a gun, may be fearful of guns, may have, may start in the negative territory, meaning they have misinformation about guns. And we have to wade as instructors, we have to wade through all of that to get them to a good starting point first. And then we start with the very first instruction. We're not going to start with holster work. We're not going to start with mag dumps. We're not going to start with live fire. 
if you're doing all of that in your classes as an as the first thing that happens on the range, it's not a beginner class. So the gateway instruction part is really, um, you know, it's just it's a welcoming ground, like Ox said, and it is it is the entry point. It's, we hope that folks will come through good gateway instructors who are sensitive to all of the complications and nuances attendant to true entry level instruction. Who can who can address all of those issues and get people ready to move on to classes with a Lee Weems, a John Hearn, a John Murphy, a Tom Givens. But if you're new to it, you just got your permit the other day and you go to a Lee Weems class, you know, Lee's going to take good care of you, but you're going to struggle a little bit. And so that's that's what Akil and I, that's the lane where we operate. That's what that's the service we want to provide to the training community. All right. We're going to interrupt the show with a completely unrelated anecdote because I just realized what shirt you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> did you did, did you plan this i did i was okay. wondering how long it would take you to notice and wondering if it would inspire an anecdote and alas it has because <laughs> i could just see the top of the letters at first and you leaned back as you were talking and i saw like, the rest of the church like, that's the shirt tiffany described to the, the audience what the church wearing for those that are getting the audio feed so if you're just on audio, my shirt says nah, N-A-H, period. And that's a quote. It's, and the quote doesn't say nah, it says nah. <laughs> <laughs> and the quote is attributed to Rosa Parks, and it's dated 1955. That's my shirt. <laughs> so here's the anecdote. There is a restaurant in the county in which I work that will just politely <laughs> describe the wait staff as eclectic. Uh, they, they're a little different uh, for the county in which the restaurant happens to reside. And uh, one morning, Tiffany and Akil, they were in town and, and we all met for breakfast. And uh, uh, you might notice that Tiffany and Akil and I don't look alike. And, <laughs> yeah, for those of you so, listening. Yeah, yeah for the, <laughs> listening, we don't look alike. And, and so we all meet at this restaurant because it has great breakfast and we go and sit down well tiffany's wearing the nah and i am in uniform and this waitress comes up to take the order and the first person she sees is tiffany she reads the shirt she's like oh that's just such a wonderful shirt that she looked up and sees me she goes and she didn't say it. Because <laughs> no. it was written it was all didn't over her face. She didn't have to, yeah. And it was all over his face, like, what are you doing here with him? Yep. <laughs> and it was just, I was so amused. That I, we we I, cracked up laughing through the entire meal because she, her, bless her heart, she was so put out. She had no idea where to go. Here she thought she and I were having this sort of moment in, you know, liberty or something. And then she, she realizes that I am accompanied by Lee and Ock, which confused her even more. It was just hilarious. I, 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 she had she had like on her forehead what is this white chick with the what is this black chick with a rosa park shirt on doing in here with this white cop 
And <laughs> and Lee and I just found that to be hilarious because that's how we roll, baby. That's how we roll. <laughs> what was even funnier is when she went to the kitchen and got the other staff and like they were coming at the door and she was like pointing out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and you can see them like whispering like they're 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 together. What's the <laughs> So, but, okay, so this is, Lee said this was an unrelated anecdote, but I'm going to circle us back to gateway instruction because this is exactly the point that Ak was making earlier, which is to say the training industry is comprised of some of the most welcoming people that I've ever met in my life. And and it, it is, it's much more diverse than a lot of people on the inside and on the outside give it credit for. And so, it's funny to have experiences like that where, honestly, I mean, let me just be real. I'm not sure how likely it is that Lee and I, that I would consider Lee a brother, a member of my family, if it weren't for the training community. If it, like, guns are what brought me to Lee. And it is it is such a, a catalyst for networking and for getting beyond you know the book cover and learning more about people's true nature and true self that it's that that's why I feel like I owe so much to the training community because it really has enriched my life and I was a very very sheltered person before I took a leap of faith and took my first gun class and it's through that experience and all of the different branches all the different you know, highways and bridges and tributaries and different lands and areas and zones that I was able to get to as a result of that first on-ramp. Um, all of that has really just turned me into a different person. And I dare say, saved my life in more ways than than not. So I, it's why I have such an affinity for gateway instruction and why I absolutely love teaching brand new shooters because I'm so excited to see the look on their face when they realize how much more is out there for them to learn and experience and and be exposed to. Akil, did you see how artfully she got us back on track when we were trying to get I mean, she's a master. She's a master. At it. Yes, there is. I'm, I'm done with her all the time. You know? I'm done. <laughs> When I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I suppose that there's an off chance that we might could have eventually met through academia, but Probably, other than that, maybe. I, yeah. I don't, I, and that would be like a crazy off chance. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't know how otherwise. Yeah, that's true. And I have to explain yeah. to friends of mine who aren't, you know, where I'm from. Western New York, there's no gun culture per se. They're, you know, it's very low-key surreptitious. Tiff went back with me once and she couldn't believe it, you know, just how, you know, there's no ranges. You know, we had to shoot in a Masonic hall and we had to use special ammo and, you know, and, you know, it, it was a leap for me when I left the first time I went to go train out of Buffalo and went somewhere um, and came back and was telling my friends what wonderful people I met. They, a lot of them didn't believe it. You know, until it took me years to get some of them to finally come out and start trying to take classes and, you know, going to places and coming out of their comfort zone because there's a narrative that um, different types of people aren't welcome. Right. You know, um, and I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, you know, but th that I know that that's pervasive. And so I, me and Tiff and people like us feel like it's our duty to, you know, kind of poke through that and get people to 
cross those lines. And a lot of instructors are, you know, most firearms instructors that I run to are well-meaning, even if they're, you know, crappy instructors, <laughs> they, they mean well, <laughs> you know, but I don't think most of us really understand just how important and just how pivotal your first firearms instructor is. Absolutely. And, and if it's not done right, um, you know, not only can you make, you know, it can be little things like, you know, anxiety inducing a deep flinch all the way to completely turning somebody away from, you know, from the Second Amendment cause and from their own personal protection, you know. Um, and so, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I went to Larry Mudges last year, and did you get all those eight pages of pre-course reading that he had? And I remember... Mm -hmm you know, reflecting as I was reading on all the stuff he wanted you to do before his class. And remember how he, how he was about, you know, even how he was about if you have trained with anybody else, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't want, you know, deal with you too much only because he knows that he has to undo a lot of, a lot of bad habits. And, you know, why do most instructors say things like, hey, you know, um, I'd rather have a person who has no experience than a guy who's, you know, had been, been shooting guns all his life. Why? It's because got to undo bad habits sometimes and, and, and bad experiences, you know, um, and, you know, and, and sometimes, like I said, as far as making people, you know, hurting their feelings and, and turning them off, you know, and I learned after a while that, you know, gateway instruction, I couldn't understand why everybody wants to teach the advanced and immediate stuff, you know, because, you know, if you get out and you start training, you start running to some of the same people over and over again in classes and, and, um, and I wonder why, you know, you know, we, we, why we, more of us didn't teach the gateway stuff. And then as I started doing it, you know, and Tiff helped me out a lot as she was one of my first instructors and my mentors on this is that, you know, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not easy. It's funny that you mentioned Larry Mudgett and the detailed instructions that he sent out for that class, um, because it actually touches on a topic that I wanted to get into. There was, unless you were just completely did not pay attention to the instructions whatever there was no chance that you were going to show up and not have what you needed not understand protocols not stuff in that class and it was spelled out you will get this brand of dummy round you will get you know you will come with that this type of holster you infinitely and of course that probably comes from 50 years of dealing with students right. he knows right. exactly right. everything that he needs to address you know that document may have started out as a half page and now it's grown to whatever many pages it was because yeah. you can come back after each one you add another paragraph uh, to the page whereas one of the things that was difficult for me when I first opened my my training business is and I, I actually started out wanting to teach the nearest students in BA. I didn't know the term then, but be a gateway guy. I used to say I want to be the best double A manager in baseball. <laughs> you know, I, want, I want to develop a core of students that when they go take the traveling guys, the instructor goes, that's one of wins is in a positive way. Right. That's what I wanted right. to accomplish. Uh, right. My marketplace isn't conducive to that. Uh, right. And then other things transpired and I've moved into more of the, the traveling thing here. Um, but coming from the law enforcement background, all of a sudden trying to teach groups of private citizens that were somewhere completely new to guns, there were things that I just assumed everyone knew. And that's 
huge. Mm-hmm. Because most, um, I'm I often quote, quote Jeff Gonzalez who said, you should what you should teach several levels below where you operate because there's so many things that you do that you don't even know that you're kind of doing. You know what I'm saying? That that mm-hmm. um, Craig said it one time. Craig Douglas, what he said it was in an interview, and he said, "Are you are you requiring or doing something you're not teaching? You know what I'm saying? Because you just yeah. assume that people have no, you know. Um, we find a lot of times just think about the drawstring. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, I've had, I've had instructors, wonderful, great instructors come teach people and basic level, according to them was their basic level class. And in the class, I know that I'm having to go do short draw clinics because people aren't holstering carefully because that wasn't gone over in the class. And, you know, I think a lot of times we assume, like you said, people have these things and if they have it, then, and if you really think about what goes into just you know, all of the steps that go into, what do you say, like fire, <laughs> you know what, saying? Mm-hmm. what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you know, and so in gateway instruction, we try to walk you through the trigger press, you know, every yeah. step, you know, so that way you understand all those tiny little steps that sometimes guys like us who've done it for a while, Lee, there was a lot of stuff that you were taught. And then there was a lot of stuff you picked up on your own from watching mm-hmm. and, and just some autodidact stuff that went down because you're a pretty smart guy and things like that. And we can't assume that with other people. You know, so that's why Larry Mudgett ends up with this, you know, this super long thing to detail all this stuff. And for us, we, we do that or we just say, hey, just come. We'll give you everything. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. We'll just, we'll just provide it all that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, just, just wear clothes. You know what I'm saying? Just come wear clothes yeah. and, and, and we'll take care of you there. We even got shirts up there that, uh, you know, for, that got mm-hmm. higher on the collar because sometimes they show up with shirts. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know, but yeah. it's hard to get people you know on the way so that when they get to a to your class or you know like when you come here like we I encourage my students to go and hopefully I prepare them well enough that you know they can they can get the most out of the class as opposed to feeling like right. you know they're they're you know drinking out of a fire hose all the time you know so Tiffany Lee <laughs> any comments you'd like to throw into that I mean you that, guys that was, come it was your turn that was a roll, Tiffany. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I said everything I would have said. I, I, I agree 1000%. And I, I think, I guess all I'll add to that is it's really easy to assume that students know certain basic things, but it's also just as easy for instructors to assume that teaching beginners is the same as teaching anybody else. And nothing could be further from the truth. I, I, I often say that teaching beginners, true beginners, teaching actual gateway stuff is in in many ways a different skill set than teaching people who bring a certain level of knowledge and experience to the table. Even if it's only a couple of classes, just having that little tiny exposure to the culture, understanding things like when to load magazines, you know, when is it safe to turn around on the line, all of those little more cultural aspects of being Mm -hmm. a part of the training community, new people don't have, they just, they just don't have it. So knowing how to anticipate those knowledge gaps and knowing how not to judge your students for that and how to accommodate it, um, is huge. And it's something that most instructors aren't used to having to do. So teaching gateway is a, is a, is, is a skill set unto itself. It really is. Especially if they're coming from military and law enforcement, where they, 
you know, ramp you up to that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you get 40 hours, you know, to in a whole week where you do nothing but firearms, eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours a day, you know, and most people don't get that, you know? And so a lot of guys come in and they don't realize a lot of them, we just don't, those of us who've been doing this for a while, don't remember what it was like when we were new. Like you said, Ryan gave you, well, you go left-handed. It's kind of sort of, and it is, it feels weird. It feels wrong, you know, but even with that, there's some things that we still know, you know, yeah. but these people come out and, and they have no idea and they're scared. They're apprehensive. Um, mm -hmm. They're scared of being embarrassed. Um, mm -hmm. They're scared that they're not going to be prepared. And uh, one thing that I learned from Tiff early on was that it was, you know, it's funny, it was all about the feelings, right? You know what I'm saying? And, oh, yeah. and, and sure. so many ways. And now it's funny because yeah. now that I'm looking at the, you know, the law enforcement officers I train and I'm realizing that, hmm, Sometimes before a call, I got to line these guys and make them breathe. You know what I'm saying? And I watched yeah. there. I watched, I watched there. We do instructor courses. And right before the instructor call, you can see guys. I have to talk people down and take them out <laughs> for walks. And, and, and I'm like, man, it's, even at this level, it's about the feels. You know what I'm saying? We all know what yeah. you know, um, skill degrades under stress. What is that? That's feels. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's a yeah. mind game. That's what's going on inside your head and in your heart. And so, you know, we, we, a lot of instructors, I don't, like I said, they mean well, but they just don't understand all the things that are going uh, on with people who aren't like them. Well, just a, a simple example of something like that. Akil, what would have happened in your academy class is if a cadet just all of a sudden realized there was something on the table back at the other end of the range that they needed and just <laughs> walked off the line to go get it. I, I, listen, you you would get. I don't have to tell you. You do that once, and what you do that one time, and you can't just get mad and huff and walk off, jump in your car, and drive away. Not unless you're going to yeah. leave your career, you know. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, you you can, you know, as an instructor, it's a lot. You know, I found myself last week in Memphis running guys through calls, and you know, I can say stuff to them. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying and. And there's things that they, you like I said, they'll do it once. How, you know, a guy turns around with a gun in his hand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Not> once. <laughs> the very first open enrollment class, pistol class that I taught through my company, I had like seven students on the line. And like one of the guys on the line just all of a sudden like, hmm, I think I need to go to the bathroom. And just like, I'm getting ready to say, and he just turns around and walks off. And I'm like, I moved because the, I was sure the lightning was fixing to strike. <laughs> you know, because and didn't I didn't know that I, he couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I did not know, that, you know, I didn't go to a paramilitary police academy. I went right. to really, you know, kind of adult education camp, police right, academy. Right. But even in the environment that I was in, my gosh, if somebody would have just walked off the line, the hell that would have erupted. It was just like, and seriously, when that guy turned and walked off, I was like, oh my gosh, the lightning is just going to strike them out too close. Mm -hmm. And so then oh. it's like everybody gather around. Um, mm -hmm. We don't just turn and walk off. <laughs> yeah. walk off. In, in the middle of a thing. And so that mm -hmm. became, I guess, another paragraph on my document. Exactly. You know, yep. That's, that's it. That is, that's exactly what we're getting at. It's a great example because if you're, if, if you're teaching gateway students, your safety brief is going to be completely different than if you're teaching advanced yeah. students. You know, you have to you have to say things that should go without saying if you're teaching gateway yeah. students because they've never heard it before. It's never occurred to them before. So right. I, I it, and it brings up another 
interesting point about gateway instruction. Obviously, if you have potentially a line full of brand new students, then your acceptable student teacher ratio is going to go down. And the importance of good quality skilled AIs, assistant instructors, is going to go up. So this is another reason why Akil and I developed our AI program. We still haven't found any comparable um, you know, curriculum out there that's specifically designed for AIs. And in our case, specifically AIs who are working gateway lines. So you have to, so to go back to your example, if it's a if it's a Tom Givens class or a John Murphy class or a Lee Weems class and somebody turns around and walks off the line, yeah, they're gonna they're they're gonna have a bad day and rightfully so. In a gateway class, number one, we've covered that extensively in the safety briefing, which would not be necessary in a or shouldn't be necessary in a more advanced class. Number two, we've got enough personnel, we call it coverage, we've got enough eyes on the line and enough pre-class training for our AIs to where you read body language and intercept somebody that's about to come off the line. So they will not have taken more than a, you know, a half a step before somebody's laid hands on it. In our AI program, we even teach you how to do that. You know, there's a difference between intercepting somebody with your fingertips versus intercepting them with the palm of your hand. All of that goes back to what Akil was saying earlier about feels. You communicate a very different message when you get, when you, when you lay fingertips on versus palm of your hand, and then you've got all kinds of social constraints that, that factor in. It gets pretty technical and pretty complicated. And we have had We've trained people in our instructor program who go through the whole program and end up saying, you know what, this is, this is, I, I can't deal with all this. this <laughs> it, you know, it's just, it's, it's too touchy feely. It's too lovey dovey. I don't have time for all of this. Let's just go shoot. And, you know, at first me and Akil were like, well, that's, that blows. You got a wrong attitude. But the more we thought about it, we were like, actually, right. that's good. a good, that's good discovery to arrive upon in an instructor development course. If you can go through our course and determine that gateway instruction is not for you because you don't feel like being bothered with all of this other non-shooting type stuff that's necessary, that's great. That is, we, we absolutely love that because what that means is you'll take your talents and apply them where they are better suited which is with more experienced shooters. There, you can probably do a world of good. And then the folks who are more interested in all of the other aspects that that inundate gateway instruction can do the gateway, gateway teaching. So that's why I think it's so critical that people understand it's apples to oranges. It's not the same thing. Uh, okay. Tiffany, I can I can hear the keystrokes of the people typing the YouTube comment or sending me the email right now. <laughs> Don't you know what the difference is between fingertips and a palm of the hand? <laughs> so you've got to answer that. <laughs> well, if you want to know, you can sign up for our AI class. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but basically, when when you're working with gateway students who have emotional um, factors that are, that are in affecting all of their learning experiences. You have to make sure that you are communicating in such a way that is, um, welcoming, accommodating, and is not adversarial or intimidating. For example, there's a difference between 
pointing someone out with an open hand and pointing someone out with a point. One is accusatory and the other is inviting. Um, you, Tom doesn't give a crap about any of that as he shouldn't, you know, he doesn't have time to deal with any of that with the, with the content that he's teaching, but at the gateway level, something is as nuanced and seemingly insignificant as that can make all the difference in terms of whether a student continues to invest in what it is we're selling, or if a student decides subconsciously or otherwise that these people are condescending to me they think they're better than me they're trying to tell me how to be a grown-up when I've been a grown-up longer than they have and I came to the wrong place and these people can't teach me anything even if a person doesn't realize that's the conclusion they've made that's going to affect their entire experience for the rest of the class assuming they even stay because that's the other thing that we all know about open enrollment is they can get up and walk out so yeah, open palm versus fingertips. One is more startling than the other. Um, <laughs> you can spread out the pressure points if you use a palm as opposed to fingertips. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that we could talk about there, but you know, I won't I won't bore y'all with all that. <laughs> and and it, and it really does matter because we you know we I lost my point. <laughs> it was so brilliant. <laughs> it was gonna change your life. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a shiny thing over there. <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, I, don't get me wrong, Lee. I'm, I'm not saying that knowing the difference between pressure points is going to make or break you as an instructor. I'm not, I don't want anybody to take away from that, that I'm heaping some kind of huge significance on that. That's just an example of some of the nuanced ways that you can strengthen your skills as a gateway instructor as opposed to um, what you might or might not need to do if you're teaching more advanced students. You, you yeah. have to be, got it. yeah, I have to play a lot of different roles as a gateway instructor. Go ahead, Ox, before you forget. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> because the most important thing we're selling in these classes and we want to get across in these classes is that they have a good time. We all know that what is a person going to get really out of, um, you know, as far as defensive, for example, defensive shooting skills out of an eight hour class, we would all say what? This is just what? The beginning of a journey, right? And only way they're gonna take the next, the next step on that journey is if they what? They're encouraged, they feel good about what they got and they wanna come back for more. And so we really have to take those things into consideration. Even guys who aren't with the whole touchy feely thing, I tell them just from a business standpoint, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you want people, if you, if you want people to come back to your class and bring friends, people you know, come back with money and bring friends with money, <laughs> you know, be nice to them, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, you know, take mm -hmm. these things into consideration because if they have a great time, they'll actually come back and leave. This has happened with you, I'm sure, most of us. You know, this is how pivotal we are. You know, you're walking in the mall and somebody walks up and, hey, and they're all happy to see you and you can't remember who they are. And then they're telling their friend who they're with, this is my firearms instructor. I had such a great time in this class and blah, 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 blah. And I talked to Tiff about it one night and me and Tiff, were just, Tiff was explaining to me what burden I lifted off that person as far as this fear of firearms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I don't know how long they had been wrestling with that. I don't know how many times they signed up for my class and then didn't come and take it. Or they almost pushed the purchase button and changed their mind, you know, because they were mm -hmm. all of the fear that goes into that. And then here they come in. We're nice. We smile. We take the listen. You're under our control. We're going to take care of you. Don't worry about nothing. You're going to be safe. You're going to yeah. enjoy. Have a good time. Um, I'm thinking about marketing my classes and I'm talking to Clay Howell. Shout out to Clay Howell. And he was like, I kill. You know, you do realize that buying these classes is an emotional act. 
people don't buy these classes because they they you know it makes sense i mean you know if that was the case then we do it we probably walk and run and go to the gym and do all that kind of stuff yeah. too, you know we do this stuff because we enjoy it, you know? And so we yep. need, well, you know, I care you need to put exclamation points in your ads and say, it's going to be fun. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> that's why people come honestly. That's why we do it. And this is true. Yeah. Yeah. My father was, you know, a career salesman. And the thing that he used to always beat into my head about sales was the most the cheapest advertising you can buy is a satisfied customer the most expensive advertising you can buy is a dissatisfied customer Mm -hmm. and most of my local business grew from customers coming back to classes and bringing their friends with them back Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact i had a, a for a while there i have my classes were selling out to these same people time and time again and finally one of them kind of looked at me and said uh what's going to happen in your business when we all don't come back for the same class seven times <laughs> you know or, you know something to that effect and it got me to thinking and i had to come up with a few other classes that were like you know targeted more towards a gateway audience to try to, to draw some people in and had to move location in the general area a couple of times to actually get exposed to some new people yeah. um that's that's important yeah, yeah. um you know Akil, you hit on a couple of things emotion if people come to the class and they're having a good time that's when they're the most likely to sign up for an additional class if you can if your business is together enough that you have have them together and to, to sell at that point yeah you know, when i worked in sales working my way through college i worked in an electronics store and this was back Oh my gosh, during VCR days and the like. If somebody bought a VCR, you are a failure as a salesman if you didn't pick up a package of blank video cassettes. Mm. Everybody under the age of 40 has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> video cassettes and say, sir or ma'am, would you like to get a package of these as well? Oh, yes, thank you. Because once they made the emotional decision to buy, the dollar amount wasn't really the controlling factor at that point mm-hmm. in time. It was whether or not I make this investment at all was the important thing. And where I kind of want to go with that is one is marketing to your your client base for further on follow-up classes. But the other thing is that you can turn off students emotionally so well as on the cop side of things, I know people are going to show up to classes with a serviceable duty auto pistol and a serviceable right. holster. May not be the best choice, but it's going to be serviceable. Open enrollment, you don't have any idea what anybody's going to show up with. And if you tell them the gun that they inherited from their dead father or grandfather is not a suitable gun, they might not be emotionally able to accept that. Or my significant other went to the gun store and bought this gun for me to protect myself are you telling me that he's an idiot (laughs) yes yes ma'am i am or yes sir you know (laughs) you know by gosh if you're a deputy sheriff and you show up in a with a serpa i am going to mercilessly torment you (laughs) but you can't do that in open enrollment classes Mm -hmm. so so kill what thoughts you have on, on any of that we do actually we talk about that in our instructor course um you know it's best that they find out their own <laughs> you know it's best that that 
that that bit of truth manifest on their lips and in their mind. Uh, I remember me and Tiff were teaching at the Girl in the Gun uh, conference last uh, April, and there was a woman who was just yelling, practically yelling about how much she loved her SIG P3, the 238 or whatever, you know, the little 1911, 3080s, yeah. how much she loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And we, I looked at Tiff and we like, oh, we, that's a challenge. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> challenge accepted. Okay. Yeah. And all we did, all we did was get her on the line, get her through her exercises. And then as she was having problems, we explained gently this, that, the other, you know, and then she, by the end of that, what was it, a half hour we get with those girls, or two hours, whatever it is we get with those girls? Yes, she was like, was. Okay, I need another gun. Uh-huh. And Tiff will explain you how that's even deeper, and that's that's that resonates more within her than it is for me to say it. You know, um, absolutely. We, we often tell the story of a guy who actually brought a high point to class. You know, and um, he was it was doing what high points do. You know, and <laughs> so I slid over halfway through and said, "Listen, I got this MMP nine. He's laying here. Would you want to try it out? Shoots the same ammo. Blah 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 blah. You know, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a try. Gives him gives him an out. Right? You know, what I'm saying he shoots it a few times." Now he's looking at it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> by the end of the class, we're packing up and his gun is sitting on the bench in a plastic bag. That's where I brought it. So we, you know, we rush it out to his vehicle. He grabs it and throws it in the back of the truck. <laughs> this guy was, what was that gun again? Mm-hmm. It's how you do it. And, you know, yeah. um, and we have a, you know, our favorite slide or our favorite quote now and all that we do is people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I can't stress that enough in that when you are, you, you know, that you don't know, to you, that's just a junk high point. What you don't know is that his dead brother, you know, willed that to him or that, that was all that was left when his brother was killed or something like that. And so you have to be very, very careful about that. Um, and if not, you know, you can, I mean, like I said, from a financial standpoint, you can lose him as a customer. And, you know, and then also, again, you know, you, you, you can turn somebody away from, from the very thing that we're trying to do make it hard for them mm-hmm. so i you know i i you know these are the things we talk about you know and, and we consider you know part of gateway instruction is those type of things um, and like i said it's literally so much about you know the feelings and and I, because that's what they have and feelings are markers for for experiences and we really want this to be the best experience for them you know we want this why is the gateway you know to our community and we want we want we want to be welcoming we want you to come and have a good time. And, and if you enjoy yourself, you know, come on back and bring friends. And we call it gear shaming and it's, there's no place for it in gateway instruction. Your only parameter is safety. If somebody brings equipment that's unsafe, then you have to draw the line there as an instructor, regardless of whether it's a gateway class or not. But that's a big reason why Akil has an entire stockpile of guns that we can loan out to students if if something happens with theirs or if they don't have one. But it's, I mean, you know, the examples you guys gave about pistols having sentimental value and things like that, that's very common. But oftentimes it's not even that dramatic. A lot of times it's just someone has a, a terrible situation. They've suddenly been frightened into taking the leap to take a firearms class and they don't have the budget for anything better than a sky or, you know, some really, really inexpensive gun or some gun that they got some used gun that they got somewhere. Um, And they just, they can't buy something else. And so we have to be really careful about gear shaming because we can't, what happens with, with most gear shaming 
is that you're taking a whole lot of things for granted that you have no right to assume. And among those is the, the assumption that this person considered other options and made the rational choice to select this gun instead of all the other guns with all the same background information that you have. And the student has none of that, doesn't have the background information, doesn't have the options, doesn't have the, the, you know, the, the luxury, frankly, to be able to choose a more reliable or, you know, better manufactured firearm. So sometimes it's a matter of budget. Sometimes that student did make what he or she considered to be a very reasoned, deliberate, thought out decision. Like we've had mm-hmm. students who studied for months and read everything they could read on different guns and then bought the one that they bought in preparation for your class. It's been a, you know, an eight month process for them to acquire what they needed to come take your class. And after looking at a bunch of different guns and reading and supposedly doing their homework, this is the one they picked. And now you're going to tell them it's trash. It's just not a good way to do business. And it's certainly not a good way to be a positive um, steward of our second amendment rights in my opinion if right. you would permit me editorializing a little bit there so oh, editorialize away <laughs> you know say like, something like, like go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say i like with um what did farnham say that time he said um somebody asked him what if somebody brings a gun to class he said you know you know praise god almighty that we are in the country where they have the choice mm. <laughs> you know and yeah I, I, you know, you we go. all started somewhere. I don't know anybody who carries the first gun they bought. I know I, when I right. think about the the, the, to- the silver Taurus with pearl grips and gold trigger and hammer, I had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with it. I mean, but I mean, you know, we, you know, you move on from there, you know. But I remember yeah. when I think about it now. Yeah, well, actually, I wish I had it, you know. Again, but yeah. you know, but it's just we all begin somewhere, and don't give people a hard time about it, you know. I mean, look at look at it as an opportunity to, to help them along and to, and to teach them. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not pick a Smith and Wesson SD9 as my optimal pistol or a Ruger American or something in, in that price point category. But I'm not who Ruger or Smith and Wesson is trying to sell that pistol to. Right. right. You know, because I'm going to take a pistol and in its lifetime, I'm going to put tens of thousands of rounds through it. And I can. I know to change recoil springs at five rounds. I know to do some of the other stuff that has to be done to them. They're not trying to sell that gun to me. Mm-hmm. But something along those lines is going to be perfectly fine for someone that is coming to you and they're trying to make it the one-day class with it. And they might walk out a couple of times a year in the backyard to go to the range and put 50 rounds through the gun. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be fine. One of the things I've often kind of thought about doing, although I, I'm rapidly losing the anonymity, anonymity to be able to do it, would be like sign up for other instructors' names under a fake name and show up with something like an SD9 or whatever and shoot the class just to mess with people's heads. Like, how did he do that good with that gun? <laughs> it is because I think it, it would amuse me. But, <laughs> In, a, in an advanced or intermediate class, they would know the difference, including the instructor in the basic class. Right. And, yeah. and I, I'm drawing a complete blank on Stoger. Stoger's importing a pistol 
into the country right now that it's not what I would buy for a duty gun. I got a chance to put a magazine through it at, at uh, um, a range up in Terre Haute. And for a nice tank gun, I'd be perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. I saw that thing. I think it's $200. Yeah, it was like 300 bucks. With, and it had like a rebate on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that made it lower. And they had just gotten it into the range and they were so excited about it that we were passing our magazines around people to load them so you'd be the next guy up to shoot it. it. Shot just as accurate as the clock that was on my hip. And so there was actually some things I really liked about it. Oddly enough, I went to our, our mutual friend, Carrie's uh, range down in San Antonio, Buck and Dover Mercantile. And they have one in the counter there, and the sales staff there was raving about it. But they can't keep them in the shelves. Okay, it's again, it's not a pistol that I would buy to take two classes to carry as my primary duty weapon and everything. But again, they're not trying to sell that gun to me. They're trying to sell that to the to the person who's made something has happened in their life, or they've made the choice that they need to have a firearm. Yeah, I, I think when I when I hear about instructors gear shaming, especially gateway students, it doesn't bother me as much with more advanced students. But when I hear about gate, gateway students getting gear shamed, it it really kind of angers me. Um, and you know, to your point, Lee, you have to think it, it it's arrogant, is what it is. You are being very self centered if you just leap to the conclusion, you just take for granted, presuppose that everybody in the world has the exact same use for a firearm that you do. That's very, very self-centered. And it would be no different from me buying, I don't know, pots and pans from family dollar store, because that's how often I cook, you know? And if I met a professional chef who saw my pots and pans and that person was absolutely horrified and made me feel like a bad person because I have cheap pots and pans that that wouldn't sit well with most folks but the, <laughs> but those pans this is older than me and any one of you put together quality american cast iron they work perfectly fine for my purposes now can i get yeah. a better pan than the one i'm using of course i can but you know i have to balance that investment decision, that expenditure of discretionary funds, along with all the other responsibilities in my life. And, you know, that's, that's what people forget. I, I hear instructors say things all the time, like, oh, your life depends on this. Yes, that's true. It could, but there are other things that my life actually depends on every day, like rent and food and clothing and a lot of people just don't have the luxury of putting their firearm purchase at the top of their discretionary spending list. Um, it's unfortunate. I wish they did, but if they don't, I can't, I'm not, I can't judge them for that. And I have to, if I don't work with them, work with what, what resources they have available to them, then I'm not doing my job as a gateway instructor. You know, I just, that just inspired a thought. If I'm the instructor and I'm doing the demo with the $2,000 staccato with the $600 optic on top of it to a person who just showed up with Mm -hmm. a Taurus or something along those lines, because that's all they could afford. Mm -hmm. And 
their guns maybe not performing the, you know, they may have had a malfunction or two and I'm over here burning it down with this $3,000 package. And they start asking questions about my gun. Am I going to emotionally turn them off? Mm-hmm. Are they that's completely something. defeated at that point? But, uh, Which is why we encourage, uh, Simon, but why we encourage instructors, gateway instructors to use normal looking guns. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I, you know, use a gun that the student, I, if I'm doing a demo in a basic class, I'm grabbing one of the student's guns if it's on the bench or something right. that just looks just like it. And my our, our loaner guns are plain Jane guns. Um, and when I see guys do that, I'm wondering, who is that for? Is that for the students or is that for you? If you're doing demos at full speed, not the speed you expect your students to do them at, is that for them or is that for you? I know the answer. <laughs> what's your answer tiffany and then i'll give mine that's totally for them and it and it irks the heck out of me instructors who are stroking their own egos rather than giving their students the best possible learning experience uh, i'm gonna that, say that's that just that they're actually giving you actually giving those people a reason to opt out and say well of course you can do that and i can't because you got the whiz bang 3000 you know, right. you've got a $4,000 gun. I can't, you know, I don't have it. This is all I have is this guy. Exactly. I think that's going to depend on the students too, though. Oh, sure. Yeah. All of this depends on the student for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, even the, some of the really nuanced stuff that we are talking about, gateway instructors yeah. need to be able to do. Not every entry-level student's going to need all that. In fact, at least half of our students don't need any of that. Or, you know, at least half of them, don't care how you lay hands on them or whatever. It's not, you know, it's not like all beginner students are the same. Um, But at the gateway level, what I think we need to focus on is keeping as many people in as possible. That's a big difference between entry-level instruction and higher-level instruction. At the advanced level, you have almost the opposite goal. You actually want to weed out anybody who shouldn't be there for all kinds of reasons, including safety and including um, watering down or polluting or corrupting the, the instructional content that you brought for those advanced students and that they paid for. So, so yeah, you want to filter out the folks that, that aren't ready for that level of instruction. At the gateway level, it's the opposite. We want to keep as many people in as possible. So we make allowances to the extent we can for folks who need the most, as long as that's not detracting from the experience of the people who don't need it, there's no, no skin off our back, you know? Yeah. You know, just one last thing on that that equipment thing. When I'm teaching a class to say our deputy sheriffs at the sheriff's office, I don't carry the issued pistol. I carry a personally owned gun. When I go to teach a class, I ask all the personnel, I said, do you mind if I shoot with the gun that I'm carrying? Or do you want me to go get my issued pistol out of the truck? So I'm shooting the same thing you are. Because I'm not going to ask you to do anything that can only be done with the gun that I'm carrying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll go get the stock gun and do it with that. And usually like, nah, just go ahead. We know you can do it. But those are people <laughs> who I've worked with for years and they seem to do it. You know, I, I think with the, with newer students, everything, that's one thing we got to be cognizant about is if we're setting the price of admission so high that they don't think they can attain it, then that's going to be an emotional turnoff. Mm-hmm. And 
the days of being able to go into a gun store and spending 200 bucks and walk out with a police trade and cave frame are gone. They're over. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have to accept the $300 Stoger to take that role. We're going to have to accept the Smith SD9 to take that role. Uh, you know, those type firearms. And Aki, like you had a point. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was agreeing with you. I was, okay. I was, I was saying you made, you made a good point, you know, that, uh, you know, we, and, and again, I mean, you should also as a gateway instructor be able to operate all those different types of, <laughs> and be familiar with all the cheap pistols that are out there. And as they come through, you know, and generally speaking for most uh, gateway classes, most of those guns will get through the class, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and then you can find a, you know, if you really think it's something that's going to, you know, not work for the person in, in some simple, some type of role you're thinking, then you can, there's a way that you can suggest, you know, or expose them. That's, I find that better is to expose them to better options, you know, mm-hmm. but don't, like I said, detract from what they have is counterproductive. Uh, two other points that I want to cover, and I'm going to say both of them so that I don't forget the second one after we get to talk about the first one, is one is, I think it's Kathy Jackson made the point that the gateway students need the best instructors and i don't it's a frequent thing of you know because we all help with say range master instructor courses or or the like and you'll see a student that's barely in like an instructor level course that's their skills are barely up to the level of passing the instructor level course and they'll almost apologize for it making excuses it's okay i only teach new students Mm mm-hmm (laughs) it's scary (laughs) because here's the thing what the people learn first are going to be the stronger murder programs that they develop and in a stress situation the brain's going to go to the path of least resistance they need to be taught exactly correctly from the Mm get-go Or else you are going to short circuit there because they're going to be fighting motor programs. And unless they do just a sheer number of repetitions that they overcome that initial learning. And that's just not me talking. Dustin Solomon has written about that in one of his recent books. Uh, oh, gosh, now that I've said it, people are going to send me 18 emails. I want to know what the book was. Uh, <laughs> buy all of Dustin Solomon's books. Build, building Shooters. Is that what? No, is that it's, not, it's not building. He may go into that, but it's the new one. Uh, that okay. he just came out with. I haven't read okay. it yet. Uh, which, by the way, we have a reading assignment from Tom, and that's that book. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll be finding out about that soon. Um, Got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that's become my just driving, burning issue in farm destruction here lately is we try to fill students' heads with so much stuff because we want to tell them everything that we know. And we put so much information into their heads or expose them to so much information that they only accept so much of it gets through their filter. And then they've got all these competing things going on into their head that they have trouble putting it all together. Here it is, folks. Get the gun between you and the bag down. Press the trigger without moving the gun or misaligning the gun. That's it. That's what we need to be teaching people. We can refine it. We can refine it later on. Later and on. Do all, the other, all the other nuance things. But at the beginning, if you teach them about this evil thing, this big bag wolf called recoil, you're you are setting them up for failure. 
<laughs> Folks, you can shoot a nine millimeter pistol holding onto it with one finger. It's not going to fly away. <laughs> Recall doesn't do that thing. Quit damaging your students. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, we we have an entire module on the less is more concept and trying to dispossess people of the notion that the more they teach in that first class, the better. And it usually comes from good intentions, right? Most people think that that's best because of some of the things that Carl Wren has written about, which is to say, you know, people will take that first class and what is it, 95, 99 some ridiculous percentage of those folks will never take another training course. So it's stats like that that lead instructors to, in my opinion, mistakenly think that they're doing their students a favor by jamming as much as they can into that experience for fear that the student will never come back. So let me give them everything I can while I got them. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of the worst things you can do. Our, our, our friend, um, uh, Dr. <laughs> Sherman House said once in a, in a class that we took with him, that something along the lines of the best way to, for me to teach you nothing is to try to teach you everything. Mm-hmm. Later, I learned that he, he heard that from the late, great James Yeager, rest his soul. Um, and I, I, I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. I really do. I mean, Akil and I have taught four hour blocks where we fire 10 rounds. I mean, it, they loved it's, it. it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's how you sink the hook. The, 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 one of the best ways to ensure that people don't come back is to leave them with the underlying impression that I don't have the capacity to process all this information. I'm just not qualified. I can't do this. I need to be better able to remember all this stuff. This is not for me. And by trying to teach them everything in a really short time span, that's what they're going to walk away with. They're not going to remember anything you try to teach them. All they're going to remember is that they can't remember anything. Kathy Jackson changed my life with that quote. And Mm -hmm. I've been trying to catch up with her to tell her thank you for that. So Kathy, if you happen (laughs) to watch this, thank you, because she really did. um, Mm -hmm. Less is more. Do more with less. I remember there was a. Didn't you and John Hearn talk about um, Lee? Didn't you and John Hearn talk about do we shoot too much? And yeah, no, was John, yeah. Mm-hmm. yes, you know, less shooting, far more dry work. The students yeah. like that more. They do. Yeah. And as, as you sitting there pouring, you know, as you sitting there telling them, you know, this is please everybody take don't take this the wrong way. You know that you know to you know sh- shoulders you know square with the target. You know you know get your your body weight forward, center of gravity forward you know, one foot slightly back, you know, um, you know, balls on your feet, toes grabbing the ground. When you do all that, <laughs> through all of those fundamentals, you build up all that anticipation. And then you wonder why when the gun goes bang, there's this huge flinch. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we and, and I love what you said about the recoil thing. I was listening to George uh, Harris not too long ago. He was saying he used the term push, mm-hmm. you know, and, and these are the things that go into the gateway instruction. It's terms like that, that, you know, you know, that, this is why we tell what we say Tiff. no it's not an explosion happens in the cartridge it's what expanding Expanding gases gases. push the bullet down the barrel (laughs) (laughs) you know and it seems like a small thing but when you add that up over an eight hour course over six hours and say all right let's go out here and 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 hold on to a firecracker you you, you know yeah for sure akil may i use you as an example here please 
folks, the kill is a very well studied firearms student. The kill recently came to one of my classes and we were shooting a drill in which we were shooting into a three inch circle originated by Dave Spalding called the orange dot drill. And Akil was pulling some shots low. Hey, Akil, you're good at this. What are you doing? <laughs> and what were you doing, Akil? Over gripping the gun. Yeah, gripping. Yeah. Yep. He's like, man, I'm really trying to clamp down on my grip to do the whatever. Trying something new. Akil, <laughs> <laughs> are you scared of the gun? No, it's, I know you're not. You know, you're, you're worried about this big bad wolf recall in this magic number split time and what's more important making the hits or making the hits or missing fast obviously making the hits faster is probably better under most circumstances but missing is always wrong and and that and just to piggyback off of that a little bit to take it back to gateway instruction in particular if 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 you are bringing speed into your classes at the gateway level you're doing it wrong <laughs> that is not an entry level factor so if if you've got students who are shooting faster than others fine i'm not saying slow them down unless of course they're missing like lee was saying but it, you know, I see these quote unquote entry level classes where they're whipping out timers and, and, and I'm just like, this is not that there's nothing wrong with that. I love timers. That's great. But don't call it an entry level class. If you are introducing the additional factor of speed into any part of your instruction, speed is not an entry level concept. Cadence is speed mm. is not very different. Tiff changed my life. One day we were riding and I asked her, remember I asked you about, I said, what did Tom teach you about speed? And she said, he taught me cadence. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. And to this day, I'm a slow shooter. <laughs> <laughs> but accurate. But you're accurate. God, you're accurate. You know and, and like I said, we're not discounting that stuff. It's just, right. you need, you know, speed does matter. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just sure. not in gateway stuff. And I, and right. guys mean well, they mean well, they want to, they want to, it's like, you know, we have to tell guys, okay, we show them targets and we go, what would you tell this student? And they're like, oh, you know, they got to fix this. They got to fix that. They got to fix this. They got to fix that. And we're like, no, no, looks hard to me. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm, what we're trying to mm -hmm. do in, in entry level classes more than even critique right. that is make them have a good time so that they can come back. And guess what? We've got a class where we work on that. Yeah. And if we put all of this stuff out there at one time to a new student, are we making the end result appear attainable to them? Yeah, no. I don't I think we can be doing a disservice to them. Because I, I gotta tell you, I went through range master instructor class as you did you guys. I picked up so much going through it the first time. Okay, but I also had thoughts on look around, yeah, I might can take top gun in this bunch. You know, I'm trying to get my magazines loaded so I'm ready to go for the next drill. And sometimes I wasn't my mind wasn't on what Tom was saying, mm -hmm. presenting. As I began to assist him with classes and I'm standing there on the line when everybody else is shooting watching them but I'm not having any pressure because I'm not having to perform how much more stuff I picked up 
over the years of going through that stuff, I, I don't know how many times I've been to Range Master IDC, but I've learned something every time every, I go. Every single time. Every Tiff has to yell at me to put my darn note phone down because I'm constantly taking notes and I'm supposed to be AI because I every time I've been through that thing 10 times and I always hear something. I'm like, wow. Yeah, and it's for the fact we can only we have a, everybody's got a filter on their brain. And we can only process so much incoming stuff. And at a certain point in time, that filter gets clogged. And it's just not going to accept any more information. And for the person that goes to a lot of classes. If I go to a class now, you know, I spend all the money for a two-day class, travel, hotel, everything else, and I pick up one nugget, I consider it a successful class. Mm -hmm. But for the gateway initial student, they are getting so much thrown at them, they can't process all that. And they're not, you and I, we're adding to what we already know and making links and discovering other things and figuring out other ways and going, oh, they have no frame of reference. So it's just huge amount of stuff being dumped into their head. And a lot of, like I said, yeah, I don't know what we expect them to retain from all that. And my understanding of the learning theory that after a couple months, they don't retain 30%, you know? Yeah. 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 And the, 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 the calculus of learning for entry level students in any craft, any, any occupation is different from the calculus of learning at the advanced level, because it's not at the beginner level, it's not zero sum. In other words, it's not just that you put stuff in this container until it's full, but instead at the beginner level, every time you put something in, it's taking up more space than just the amount of space needed for that bit of knowledge. It's taking up the space for that bit of knowledge and also the space for the anxiety that comes with needing to remember that bit of knowledge and also the space that's needed to deal with the anticipation of the next bit of knowledge, which is going to squash the first bit of knowledge and put something else out. So everything that you teach is taking up way more space in the brain than just the thing you're teaching. That's not the case with advanced level students because they're just they're just positioned differently with all the background knowledge that they bring to the table and also the familiarity culturally, socially, politically, um, you know, not it, it the anxiety level and the, the extra kind of emotional and psychological baggage that new students have to negotiate isn't as big a problem in advanced students. It is sometimes still an issue, don't get me wrong, but uh, it's not as big of a factor. And I think a lot of instructors who aren't particularly skilled at gateway teaching uh, take for granted that, well, they came here as clean slates. They've got, you know, three cubic centimeters <laughs> left in their brain and I'm, I'm going to fill it up with three cubic centimeters worth of stuff. No, it doesn't. It's not, doesn't, it's not that simple. Yeah. There was an episode of married with children. One time where Al Bundy is training Kelly, you know, his airhead daughter, he's like preparing her for a trivia contest. And he's like, make her to learn all this stuff. He's like, I can spit so many facts into her brain that if I teach her one more thing, she's going to have to forget something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to learn something new. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like on the way to the contest, or something, and I maybe been remembering this part, somebody told her something new 
and she for, forgot like one of the things Allie specifically prepped her on. Like, that was like the question to win the whole thing. <laughs> you know, think you know if we're I gotta pound all this in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we really it should be layers. There are things that are absolute gotta haves. We mm-hmm. got to have safe gun handling. Absolutely. No, we got to have that. We've got to be able to get the gun out of the holster and get it between us and the bad guy. We have to be able to press the trigger without misaligning the gun. Okay. Those are the we gotta have them. Okay. Then we're not in a gateway glass. Yeah. Then we gotta start. (laughs) uh, it, it is for my no, no, I'm, it I'm depends. Okay now, it. I, if, yeah, I've if, heard yeah, about if you are doing, yeah, if you're teaching clinic, holster, if you're from teaching the, holster yeah. work first and, and you go over it thoroughly and you make sure everybody does it properly, which was cool right. because in your class was the first thing you did. You did a yeah. nourishmentship assessment mm-hmm. and then you watched the yeah. saw draw the gun and reholster the gun yeah. and mostly what right. reholster, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 He, I watched him watch you draw and then he stared at you reholster. And see, and that's yeah. the part that people don't do. You know, they'll uh-huh. call it an entry class and they assume everybody either knows all of the technique of yeah. drawing and holstering or they think, you know, how hard could it be? You got a container, there's a thing in it, you get the thing out, you put the thing back in, which is a gig. I don't have to tell you guys what a horrible mistake that is. But I'm sorry to interrupt Lee, but I but yeah, if it, it, it have to, you have to teach whatever it is that you're expecting your right. students to do. All right. But That's I'm talking, right. you know, get the gun between you and the bad guy. Okay, if it's on the nightstand, you still got to get it between you and the bag. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. If it's if it's in your range bag and that's right. where it is, you still right. got to get it between you and the big scary thing. Absolutely. All right. So that's a indispensable got to have it. In order to handle the gun, you have to mm-hmm. access the gun. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's got to happen. So doing that in a safe manner and safe gun handling, you know, uh, those are got to have them. And then I really don't, I don't like to use basic and advanced i just don't like that that terminology yep. you mm-hmm. have the undisposable as Spalding would call them the essentials you gotta have them and then everything else is just layers mm. on top of that it's what's the phrase that you use Ak? it's there's the there's the fundamentals and then there's well so that it's the fundamentals in context or with with cognitive load or with oh uh, yeah as you add yeah there's yeah fundamentals advanced are the fundamentals done what done quickly on demand or distress adding mm-hmm. context adding the cognitive load all that type of stuff that we add to it but ultimately like you said it's just it, it is just the basics or as Dave Spalding would call the essentials you know mm-hmm. that you have to be able to do and we just add different layers to it we're talking defensive here you know if we're yeah. talking yeah. using the gun you know defensively which we are all defensive shooters I mean defensive instructors but yeah um but it's you know- just adding the Lee, to your point, though, I'm sure you like, I'm sure everybody on this call has had that student in class who is a crack shot, but has awful gun handling. And you get nervous every time they handle the gun, regardless of what they're doing, reloading, you know, holstering. And that is, to me, an example of somebody who was led astray at the gateway level. Because what what you're saying, Lee, is you know, is the fundament, the fundamentals, the essentials, the must-haves, gun handling, and I don't mean just trigger finger discipline. Obviously, that's huge, but there's a lot more to safe gun handling than just that. 
But if if you leave a class, an entry level class, without at least a basic understanding of what the goal mm-hmm. is of gun handling, then we failed as as gateway instructors. Yeah, uh, we we keep point. talking about pistols, mm-hmm. but let's talk about a gateway shotgun class. Mm-hmm. If you don't teach the students how to unload the gun, you failed them. Yep. 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 Agree. I've been to shotgun agree. classes right at the end of the day. Somebody walked up and said, Hey, how do I unload this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where they just yeah. go down not, to the not firing my class and be 52 yeah. it. Yeah, just drag around. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't happen in my classes, but I've been to other people's classes that it did because mm-hmm. in my shotgun class, we spend the first several hours loading and unloading the shotgun with dummy rounds. Mm-hmm. And so you know how to do all of that before we start doing live rounds. Right. Our yeah. our entry level class for any of them is basically the demystification. And then after that, for example, our next level is gun handling and marksmanship, where we just all those things that we take for granted, you've had to teach somebody new how to lock the slide back. That's not easy. You know? <laughs> after that, I got my draw clinic. And I'm going to tell you one of the biggest issues I have with that class. How do I get people? I'm, 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 I'm going to have to do a YouTube video, I guess. You know, I was looking at one of my old, old one of Tom's old DVDs. <laughs> so, but how do you get people to even bring a, a quality holster? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you said earlier, <laughs> you said when, when, when cops show up, they, you know that they're going to have at least a serviceable holster. We can't do that in open enrollment classes, you know. So right. back there in those cases up there are just holsters, you know what I'm saying, for dummy guns and things like that. So yeah. if somebody shows up and I don't have a holster for them, then I can provide a holster. I mean, or they don't have a holster that they like they bring in like to the you know the sack or whatever or something that doesn't work well, then I have to run them through a class with a with, you know, possibly with a blue gun and 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 a holster yeah. that I have for it. It's you know, because that they don't these are those things that aren't taught that me and you have learned from trial and error over the years and have, and have a box mm-hmm. of holsters that are, that are no good anymore, finding out what worked for us and what was good. Yeah. But gateway and students yeah. don't have that. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times when you talk about gateway, stu- gateway classes that, that involve holster work, I'm wondering how do you, do you provide the holsters or do you tell them, okay, go buy a holster from here. Buy a, or maybe do the Larry Mudgett thing, buy this holster. Mm. <laughs> Only this one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You know, I, you know, for whatever gun they may have, you know, yeah. that's one of the things that I've been wrestling with. I know Kyle Wren has like a wall of holsters and a wall yeah. of, you know, guns and everything. And I mean, I'm, I'm haven't been that as long as he has to have built that yeah. up yet, but it's, it's something to think about. And gets absolutely giddy when he gets to go get something out of one of those boxes to give it to his students. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have made his month. I took force on force with him last weekend. He was like a kid pulling so many boxes he was just growing stuff look what i got look what i got they need something and i have it i love that guy he's so passionate yeah he really is (laughs) all the toys man oh so what about gateway instructing have i failed to ask you about tonight I think something that we just got to know, Tiffany, or we got to know of that I, it has not come up in the discussion yet. Hmm. Um, I can't, I can't think of anything. Um, Do you want to know about the new curriculum that Akil has developed for gateway instruction? 
Yes, we're going, to, we're, we're going to talk about the specifics very, very of your slick. class. <laughs> well, that was what I wanted. I was going to finish the discussion on Gateway Discussion, and then we're going to talk about your specific class and how to find you and how to sign up for it. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Because hopefully people are making the emotional decision to sign up for the contract. I hope so. You're going to have a ball at our class. It's a world of fun. Just come. It doesn't matter what we're teaching. Just come have fun. There you go. There you go. And then I'm going to ask you both a very hard question. Uh oh. Uh -oh. So, Um, anything else on gateway instruction in general as a topic that you would like to I do want to touch on one other thing and that is ladies only training um I have changed I've evolved my opinion has evolved on this topic um and it was partly because I was being self-centered I was doing the thing that I said a moment ago um bothers me (laughs) um I used to think that it was silly for women to want to just train with women because I grew up with brothers and male cousins. I was used to being around guys my whole life. I played football. I did not play with dolls and anything that I ever had to do that involved all guys. I I was just, it wasn't a thing for me. I was used to being the only girl. Doesn't mean it was easy. It just, I didn't, being the only girl is not stressful for me. Um, I did not appreciate how stressful that can be for some women and honestly it's none of my business why that is so where I am now is we do offer ladies only courses in our gateway instructional curriculum and if if a woman or a girl wants to take a class with other women and girls then they'll sign up for that class. And I'll tell you, it's been, our, our ladies only classes are among our most popular, wouldn't you say, Ock? Um, yes. I, I used to rack my brain about why it should matter, um, but that's not the point. Whether or not it matters to me being in a co-ed class or not has literally nothing to do with whether or not it matters to the next person. So it shouldn't be an issue for me or a concern. If our if, if Akil and I have decided that we want to be an on-ramp for folks who are outside of the training community to make their way into the training community, then we, we need to be offering as many possible pathways as we can. And if that includes ladies-only training, then I, I, I'm fine with that. The asterisk that I would put on that for instructors from the instructor standpoint is Please do not think that ladies only training means you've got to train women differently than men. Um, yes, there are some differences and you can, you know, talk to people like Kathy Jackson and, and, and Vicki Farnham more about the nuances there. But in terms of the technical skills that you teach, there's not, in other words, don't teach a watered down version of your regular class to the ladies because it's a ladies class. Might you have to accommodate different mobility levels, different strength levels, different heights, body sizes, arm lengths, all those kinds of length of fingers. Yeah, you're gonna have to accommodate that, but women are are built up differently from each other, just like they're built up differently from men. And just like men are built, built up differently from each other, from other men. So 
there really shouldn't be a whole lot of difference between your co-ed classes mm-hmm. and your and your ladies only classes. Not saying there's no difference. Sure, I mean, I, I, we train a lot of, we train mostly all of my training now is done with Ak, and he's seen me teach ladies only versus teaching co-eds. And, you know, Ak, I don't know, you may want to chime in on this, but I think I have a little bit of a different attitude when I'm teaching ladies only, but it's not, it's not wildly different. And certainly the techniques that I teach aren't, aren't that different at all. You do have delivery delivery slightly different. (laughs) Yeah, right. That the delivery (laughs) is slightly different, but no, the skill, the, the, um, the techniques aren't. And if you think that, if you think that you need so many different types of techniques to teach women, um, you need to get better as an instructor. Honestly, yeah. I mean, something that you said uh, uh, earlier, Lee, made me think about that Einstein quote, if you can't explain it simply, then you don't understand it deep enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it goes back too, to those, some of those things that we just assume people know. Yeah. And, yeah. and we all tend to teach kind of based on our own learning style, mm-hmm. because yeah. we we tend to teach or present because there's a difference between teaching and presenting True. <laughs> uh, for those of you coming to the ranger after reunion in, in a month guess what that's one of your topics <laughs> right. nice. uh, in my hour and a half block they got shortened to an hour by she who makes the schedule uh, <laughs> 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 but that one's going to make the cut um, um you know, we, that's, we tend to present material in the way that we want to hear it and the way we want to learn it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, locking the slide to the rear. You know, I had that conversation with Vicki Farn. I'm like, Miss Farn, tell me what I need to know about teaching women. And that's the example that she used was locking the slide to the rear. And she like gave a very detailed explanation of how you do it. And I'm sort of thinking, if I do that, I'm going to be guilty of mansplaining. You know, I can't do it that way. And I kind of held on to it stubbornly and everything. Uh, I have a sergeant that works with me who just happens to be a female. And she's not a female sergeant. She's a sergeant that's a female. And uh, I walked into her office one day and said, hey, listen to these two. And I did them. She's, I like the one with all the detail better. (laughs) (laughs) So you wouldn't take that as me being kind of, because I tend to come across as condescending sometimes. (laughs) You you wouldn't take that, like me talking down to you, explaining it with all that. No, that actually made, now I got to do that. You know, and it's just, (laughs) and so I I tried it a couple other times with with other Mm -hmm. audience and they're like, yeah, we liked it, whatever. Now, you deal with a bunch of guys. No, because guys are long cat. We just want to know the end result. We don't need all the other stuff. Right. Yeah, so it, Lee, you'll, you'll, you'll probably know where I'm going with this, but there's a, there's a concept in, in adult learning theory called, well, I think it applies to pedagogy as well, but called um, universal design for learning. There's this whole movement out there in academia now called UDL. And it is an outgrowth of the the movement from the 90s and early 2000s under the ADA to make everything accessible to people with different learning abilities. Um, but with UDL, what what the goal is is to just make all of your teaching designed in such a way that as many different people as possible can learn from it, as opposed to just taking your um, you know, your, your, your 
say your lecture that you speak aloud and transcribing it for the one person who may be hard of hearing in your class, why not just do, you know, offer all of these different and diverse delivery methods, generally speaking, in your class, regardless of whether you have someone there who's hard of hearing, because why? You may get somebody who is not hard of hearing, but maybe is more of a verbal learner as opposed to um, a visual learner or, you know, whatever. And I guess the moral of the story is without diving into the weeds about difference in otherness and disability and ability, the the real moral of the story is that people are individuals and every class that you get, every eight people that you teach is going to be eight different people and they're all going to learn differently. They're all going to have strengths. They're all going to have weaknesses. So if you focus on designing your curriculum in such a way that you're accommodating as many different approaches to the material as possible, then that's really all, all we can ask for. I mean, I, I you know, don't don't overthink it, I guess, is what I'm oh. saying. Is it true that a lot of women process information differently than a lot of men? Sure, that's true. Um, is it true that women's bodies are built differently than men's bodies? Sure, that's true. But if I teach holstering in such a way that everybody understands you have to clear a visual path to the mouth of the holster, then that applies whether you're fat, skinny, got boobs, don't have boobs. It you know, so design universally. Design your curriculum so that learners of all shapes, sizes, types, and persuasions can get the message, even if it means you have to um, repeat yourself sometimes. So maybe Lee will first explain in the simple way of of racking the slide, and then he'll reiterate with the details that that Vicky Farnham suggested. Well, now he's accommodating both. The people who like keep it short and simple, they got that. The people who need the detail, they got that. It takes a little bit more time and a little bit more preparation sometimes, but especially if you're teaching at the gateway level, I can't tell you how much it pays off. It pays dividends, you know, beyond measure. My two cents. <laughs> Yeah. What was the word you sent me one time? Sinahachi. Or something like that. You sent it to me and said this is this this word is now my favorite word describing you. It's like a person who teaches by telling stories or something like that. I have no memory of this. You I sent think it you're to, I'll mixing have to, me I'll up with your it. other friend named Tiffany. No, it was you. <laughs> it was you. As one Tiffany come on now. If you figure it out, let me know because now I want to know what the word is. <laughs> I, 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 now I'm going to have to, but you just sent me the word. And uh, so I'm going to teach by telling a story. Okay, great. Here, right now. <laughs> um, and this will also be something that gets discussed at, at the reunion, but I'll share it with the audience because it applies to this. Um, John Herner and I went to a class through LSU on being a better instructor and one of the things they hit on in that class was you tend to teach you know present and design your materials in the way that you prefer to learn well my powerpoints are just to keep me on track when i'm telling a story a lot of times it's just a picture of something or it's a single word or a phrase that tells me this is what comes next it's also designed in a way that people that are trying to conduct instructor espionage 
You can't just reproduce <laughs> my materials. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to go do the work. You can't just take a picture of, your, of my slides with a cell phone and then have my program. All right. You're going to have to go do work. All right. So that's how I present it. Well, I did this in the class and I tell a story along with one of the pictures that's up on, on the slide and student in the, in the class. I, I just love this lady. I just loved the story that you told. But, you know, I, I, I pictured it all as you were telling it and everything. She says, but there wasn't a lot of visual information on the slide. Could, could you, would there be a handout or something that would have <laughs> but the information about you which you spoke about? Well, I don't do handouts because I don't like seeing them left on the tables and in the trash <laughs> at, at class. But for that particular student, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. would have been value to that student. Right. Yes. So do I do all that work as an instructor because one student out of a group may find value in it well i probably should be if i'm going to be a good quality instructor yeah i mean i think it just depends you know you we we all have to weigh the the ends with the means we have to weigh our resources with the you know the the end result and whether or not it's worth the cost in time and and mm -hmm. supplies and everything but the goal is to do what you can within your own abilities and resources to, to accommodate as many students as possible. So, you know, the question with, to, to go back to your anecdote, if it's no skin off your back to print off a, a one page handout for everybody in the class, and you can do that without a huge expense of, of extra time, that's not going to come back to you in any real way, um, then yeah, do it. Even if it means some are left on the table and some are in the garbage can. If on the other hand, you know, you're weighing whether or not to put together a, a 200 page booklet that certainly might help one student out of 10 in your class, that's a much bigger expense of time and money. And, you know, the, the, the calculus is different there. So I, I just, I only say that because I don't want anybody to take away from this that, you know, you you have to literally teach 10 separate classes if you've got 10 people in your in your enrollment it's that's not it but there are ways that you can efficiently make your class more accommodating uh for for a varied set of learners without it sacrificing the quality of your instruction Arkin, any thoughts no <laughs> That's you were supposed to come up with thoughts so I could search on my Facebook to find where Tiffany came. <laughs> Are you looking for what she said? Because <laughs> I remember I made a post about it and I'm trying to find the. But, uh, but it also, I, I, I mean, the cool thing is if you're doing classes like that, like that we described, and you, this is where good AIs come in too, you know, because a lot of um, that extra stuff can come if necessary. Oh, Tiffany, <laughs> look on your screen. I, I have zero memory of that. I honestly know. Why do you still have that? <laughs> it does say 2018, doesn't it? I know, <laughs> and the word is, I'll spell it S C N N A C H I E. The post was Tiffany Johnson called me a Sinatra, however you say it. That reminds me of a story. <laughs> I don't even remember t calling you that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Now you're you going to be that. I'm yeah. going to change your name to that in my phone now, Lee. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a story, so I remembered it. So, well, what were you saying up? No, I was. I was just saying that you know, um, having good AIs can also help. We also we all one of the things we teach our K one instructors is that I don't care how good you are, your class will be much better if you co teach with somebody else, especially somebody who's uh, different than you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And what makes it even better, Tiffany? It's a Gaelic word. So hey, is it Gaelic? That's awesome. Gaelic word. <laughs> <laughs> And the majority of my DNA is Gaelic. Oh, see, she knew that. So, yeah. I did. I totally knew that. All right. So, <laughs> um, Weems is the Gaelic word for cave. So, by definition, I am a caveman. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, Tiffany. Yes. Should someone have made the emotional decision to sign up for Gateway Instructor class from Citizen Safety Academy, how would they do it? Well, I'm so glad you asked that, Lee. They can simply go to citizenssafety.com and click on calendar and they will see the class listed there. It's the end of October. What is it, 29 and 30? I think it's Mm -hmm. October 29 and 30 in Cincinnati. Um, It's a two-day class. And uh, it's also on Eventbrite. So if you just go to citizenssafety.eventbrite.com, that has all of our classes listed there. You can see a full course description. There's even a video there that Akil and I recorded talking about more of what we're going to cover in the class. And it is a certification class. So we are issuing certificates for anybody who successfully completes the Gateway Instructor Skills course from Citizen Safety Academy. And it is going to be just that. It's not just your run-of-the-mill instructor class, um, but we're going to specifically focus on how to be an effective instructor for new shooters who have never touched a gun before. Should someone already be a certified firearms instructor through another entity and then take this course as an add-on, or is this like an initial certification course? you want to take that one i would consider this more of an add-on um you know i mean it could be you know if we think it, it would suffice as a as an as an intro certification course but um i think that people who have some instruction and, and who have been instructors who are instructors and who have some instructional experience might get the most out of it um because they would also bring their experiences and we hope this thing um you know part of us teaching these classes is also to network with other gateway instructors and to learn from them and offer what we have, learn from them, and hopefully build a network of, of gateway instructors that, you know, it's kind of like the range master thing, where what do we do? We get in a group and go, all right, who's in, you know, Connecticut, you know what I'm saying? What do we have in Connecticut? Because I know somebody in Connecticut who wants to, there was a lady who got on one of our guns one-on-one, and she was like, I'm out in Pacific Northwest, and then we hooked mm-hmm. her up with Rick Remington, and it was wonderful, you know what I'm saying? It's nice to have people like Rick and Tim Reedy and some of those people that we have around there, you know, I know I can recommend, uh, you know, brand new person, my family member, whatever, you know, there's people that are really good instructors, but I wouldn't send a, a new family member to them, you know, right. um, but, you know, I can say, hey, if you are anywhere near San Antonio, go see Carl Rand, go see, you know, um, I mean, Austin, go see Carl Rand, if you're near San Antonio, go see Tim Reedy, and I know that I can forget about it after that, you know, just call me after you have fun, because I know you're going to call <laughs> me one day and say it was a great experience. Yeah. And and we're hoping to build, you know, you know, something something like that where, you know, all over the all over the country, people can take this and run with it. All right. Well, one quick add on the gateway instructing. Folks, if I wasn't gonna go there with this episode, but we're going to. 
because I don't like the fact that you two get pigeonholed into only teaching women or only teaching different cosmetically uh, <laughs> flavored Americans. <laughs> I don't That's like also that. cosmetically, <laughs> cosmetically flavored. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just mentioned you can send people to Tim Reedy and Rick Remington and you don't have to worry about it. All right. Folks, if people sign up for a firearms class, they did not fill out a voter registration card to be a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant conservative Republican. Amen. Say it one more time. <laughs> people that. <laughs> Do you really want me to say it one more time? Yes. Repeat that. Yeah. It bears repeating. Right. They, they didn't fill out a registration card, you know, to be a white Anglo-Saxon, you know, Protestant, conservative Republican. Because guess what? Not all of those apply to me. So um, I'm not Anglo or Saxon. So and I'm not a Republican. So not with a big R anyway. Um, yeah. Keep the political nonsense out of the classes. Please. Amen. Thank you. Keep innuendo out of the classes. Please do. Thank you. It needs to be a welcoming, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody, it's the right to self-preservation, self, I don't like defense, but self-protection is the human right. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a human right. I don't care what the person's political persuasions are. They have a right to protect themselves against getting snatched up off the street, taken somewhere and having the last little bit of their life being a brutal experience. That transcends every political boundary that we have. It transcends every gender boundary, every you know, diddling preference boundary, whatever. It, what are we doing this for? And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's irrelevant. It yeah. is irrelevant in your classes. They did not come yeah. to you to learn how to vote. They didn't come to you to learn how to love. They didn't yeah. come to you to learn how to, how to, how to dress. I mean, they didn't come to you to learn what kind of music they should play. They came to you to learn how to be safe, efficient, proficient, and ethical with a firearm. That's all you should teach them. Nothing yep. more, nothing less. All right. There you go. Okay, any thought? I mean, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. perfect. All right, then. Are you two ready for the hard question? Uh-oh. Yeah. I wait. Before oh, well, look we at do the that, time. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so late. Um, can we can we uh, make an announcement on Lee's show? Absolutely. Right? Go right ahead. Lee, is that okay? All right. You yeah. see how Lee just just said to do it, right? He's overruling <laughs> you if you're gonna stop me out. But um, so in in conjunction with our new gateway certification course uh, that we are teaching. CSA is finally going to have a patch. Well, we're going to have two patches, actually, our CSA patch, which is the logo. And we're hoping that a lot of folks will wear that proudly. Um, But in addition, we'll have a, a, a slightly more exclusive patch that is specifically for gateway instructors. We've been designing it for over a year and it's finally coming to fruition. And Akil and I 
are going to use this patch to recognize people that we think truly shine in the lane of teaching brand new shooters. Doesn't mean that others aren't great instructors. They may be phenomenal instructors, but we this patch is specifically for trainers of new shooters who are particularly adept at helping new shooters overcome their fears, overcome their hesitations, overcome whatever boundaries or obstacles they may face towards as far as entering the training community um, is concerned. And we're, we're really, really looking forward to it. We haven't given any out yet, but the very first CSA Gateway Instructor Patch does have a name on it already. Um, we haven't informed that person yet, but we're looking forward to it. And we look forward to handing out many more of these patches as people start to shine as Gateway Instructors. But it's... Um, so you'll see, and I guess this is radio, not television, but but um, we we decided to go with um, a, a West African adinkra symbol called the um, uh, the Fahodie, I think is how you pronounce it, Fahodie. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a stylized, it kind of looks like an X, um, but it's a symbol, it's an, it's an adinkra symbol that literally means freedom, or independence or emancipation. Um, and we thought it fitting to use an African symbol since some of the earliest human fossils have been found in Africa. So we thought that that was a great, um, you know, a great uh, acknowledgement of this idea of beginnings, right? The origins and gateway instruction is very much an origin point. So the the freedom symbol from these this these West African adinkra symbols it, it it's it's a it's part of a longer West African proverb that goes something like freedom comes with responsibility, and so we thought it was really it was a perfect fit for a you know to recognize gateway instructors because on the one hand. If you're a gateway instructor and you do your job well, you are freeing people. You really are. And I know that that sounds very kind of cheesy and a little idealistic, but you're freeing them from their own misconceptions. You're freeing them from social constraints. You're freeing them from political constraints. Um, you're freeing them from lack of knowledge, lack of exposure, lack of experience. And you are also teaching them that that comes with responsibility, right? Just like you were saying earlier, Lee, you have to you have to be a responsible steward of these rights, or else your part you're contributing to the chances that we may one day lose them. So there's a lot riding on gateway instruction, and uh, there are a lot of patches out there. A lot of outfits have coins and patches and things like that, but we really wanted to design one that was specifically made for people who are seeing folks in the community who consider themselves out, outsiders and, you know, are looking at those folks and saying, come on in, you're welcome. Let's, let's get started. There you go. Well, now people have to take the class so they can get, you know, have a <laughs> that's like the most important thing in the firearms industry is you've got to have the patch with the coin. <laughs> <laughs> very important. Very important. That's right. <laughs> All right. 
you tried to do that to distract me from asking you the tough question. I did, yeah, you don't have to ask the tough question now. <laughs> we should end on the patch, right? Everybody well, yes, I do. Patch. Yes, I do. Because Rob Garrett's going to text me after he listens or watches this episode. <laughs> oh, Lord. So you're offering an instructor certification. What authorizes you to do that? <laughs> I remember talking, I remember wondering about that. Do you have to be authorized by anybody to do that? You know, um, you, you know, I mean, there are, we as secondary people often, you know, like we teach stuff that's authorized by the state and, you know, we all think that it's usually what? Not good anyway, you know, um, but it has its uses. Um, the interesting thing about this is that we, this is, we've taught this class, we offered it once before and we didn't offer it as a certification. And and uh, seems like, you know, people, I kept getting asked, can you certify me? <laughs> you know and so it was part marketing, but the other part was, was that, you know, we just, we, we thought that we would create a community kind of like with Tom, you know, and, and yeah. he was the inspiration for it, you know, and that when you find that there's something that's not being done the way we think it should be done. And if somebody were to do it better, we'd, be, we'd submit ourselves to it. Me and Tiff don't have any ego in this whatsoever. Um, but in the meantime, repeat you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> no ego. <laughs> we, uh, no, 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 no. Know. About what you talked about, you see something that needs to be done, and nobody. Oh yeah, you see, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a there's a there's a gap. You know, there's when there's a need that needs to be filled. You know, we're you know we're we're, we're, we're this is our attempt to help fill it. You know, and um, right. you know we're not certifying anything other than that thing that we feel like we've got enough knowledge and experience to be considered um at least trying to touch you know the level of, of, of now I want, I want i'm not even comfortable calling myself an expert but somebody who works real hard at this you know and this is an attempt to share that information with people and again grow a community that's my answer that's probably something definitely if if we don't police ourselves somebody's going to police us eventually. Um, standards will be imposed on us either by our own hand or by fate and by powers that be. I, I would like to keep that autonomy. And in, or, in order to make sure I am worthy of it, I have to hold myself to high standards. So your question is, do I need to be authorized to teach an instructor level course? I guess my answer is yes. Um, I need to authorize myself. And the way I do that is by ensuring and double ensuring and triple and quadruple ensuring that I can meet and surpass my own standards. And those standards have to be high. I have to remove my ego from the entire situation, like Ox said, and ask myself, do I have something of value to give back to the training community? And if I do, do I need to have some sort of documentation that legitimizes that in a way that is recorded and measurable? The answer to that is yes. And that is why we're offering a certification. It doesn't, we're not certifying people to be master instructors who can teach anything to anybody at any time. 
We're not certifying people, certifying that people are expert instructors. All we're doing, all the certification does is confirm that you took this course of instruction, you met our standards, and we're certifying that you have the potential, potential. to be you have the potential to be a good and effective gateway instructor. Whether you actually realize that potential is completely up to you. You can give somebody a driver's license that doesn't mean they're going to be a good driver. It just means that they met the standards to get the license. What they do after that on the road is up to them. We can't make people instructors. All we can do is what? Show them a path. Show them a path. And, 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 you know, like you said, set a standard and, and, and show them a direction and, and then continue to walk with them as far as we can together. You know, two episodes prior to this one, we had a big panel on that was the, the whole episode was at what point can a private entity go out on their own and start offering instructor certifications without some sort of other entity or body backing them up on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's a really legitimate question that the training community needs to be asking themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can say you, you you look to Henny Mahmoud's one of his points in that episode was okay there was patrol rifle instructor courses until we had patrol rifles and there was a need to develop a course to certify people to go out and teach mm-hmm. patrol rifles same thing with with red dot or pistol mounted optics you know that, that's a big thing now is there was that was met by the private sector that was not met by the government sector putting that out now there are government sector employees for agencies that have gone through some of those private sector schools that are now trotting out an agency-backed instructor mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. You know, which I guarantee you, you go rip the label off of it and it's got the private sector's name on, you know, they just wrote it <laughs> top of it on a book or something, change some word and stuff here and there. Um, but, you know, I can look at your course, knowing you two the way I, I know you. And and what you're describing here tonight is you two saw a specific need within the industry and you developed curriculum for it. You, you two were the experts on this curriculum. Right. This method. Yes. Yeah. You were the experts on this curriculum and this particular portion in the industry. If you guys aren't going to teach it, who is? <laughs> Who's the expert that's going to roll out the course? Yeah. And, you know, I, I completely sympathize with the, with the worry that utterly unqualified people might go out and start teaching what they deem to be instructor level courses. That's a real fear and it could be a poison for the training community. Um, But, you know, and maybe it's a little idealistic or even naive of me but I have to believe that the market will write that ship. Um, I know that capitalism is not perfect and I know that the market is not perfect, but eventually people writ large consumers as a body weed out the worst of the worst. Um, It's been true since before there was like, you know, paper money. So yes, there are people out there who have bad information, who are 
succeeding by certain standards. But again, you know, that's, that's a, that, that's a market force unto itself. There are going to be people out there who buy cheap guns. That's a market. There are going to be people out there who want instructor level courses for how to teach advanced students. You know, that's a market. And there are going to be people who need to teach beginner students. That too is a market. And, you know, if I wanted someone to teach me how to teach beginners, I wouldn't go to other instructors who are teaching other things. So yeah, it would be really nice if we had a governing body that could set the standard and determine, you know, anoint people as qualified or not qualified. And, you know, there's a word for that historically. It's called monarchy. And I, it, it doesn't always work out well. It works out great when the governing body is competent. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no guarantee that that'll ever be that, you know, Larry Vickers tells a story about how once upon a time, the NRA didn't think that that civilians had any business carrying firearms in holsters going about their everyday life so if the nra was our governing body that was the only agency that could deem someone instructor worthy how would that have affected us so you know i just i believe in competition and yes i think that people should have authority before they go out there selling their material as as having value but that authority is intrinsic. It comes from your own policing of yourself, your own standards applied to yourself. And if you choose not to do that and put out subpar material, then we'll we'll see how the market handles that. And the value that the marketplace is on their credential mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. There are exactly. sucker certifications exactly. out there that I'm not going to take it because I don't see any value in it. Right. Right. And there's some that aren't taken very serious by people, you know, and yeah. and that's as a result sometimes of the quality, you know, the quality yeah. or lack lack of quality control thereof. So yeah. there are the only reason I maintain an NRA instructor certification is because there are states that if I put my NRA number on a certificate that I issue, they honor it when nothing in the class has anything comes from that certification. Yeah, we offer in our race. Yeah, good. One of the biggest reasons why me and Tiff, you know, I got away from NRA training and it was, you mm-hmm. know, it was corny to me. And then me and Tiff one day started talking. We were like, wait a minute, there's thousands of instructors coming through that door. Mm-hmm. And we need to go over there and, you know, be a good gateway instead of a gatekeeper and keeping, you know, and, and teach people. I mean, they're coming through anyway, as opposed to complaining about it, what are we going to do about it? So we both went to TC school and started offering, um, you know, NRA instructor courses with our flavor, you know, to get guys to hopefully, you know, approach it in the way we do. And, but, but as like I said, as opposed to complaining about it, we, we went, you know, but that's why we did it. That's why we do it now. You know? and Tiffany, if I remember correctly, you are a training counselor with NRA? NRA and USCCA. Right. So you can certify instructors through the NRA and through the USCCA. Yes. So why can't you do that under your own name? What's that? So why can't you do that under your own name? 
Oh, well, we can. That's what I'm, you know, <laughs> that's, the argument that I'm that's the argument that I'm making. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, 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 we're training a couple, you know, counselors for several organizations. And it's like, but that's, that's neither here nor there. The thing is, is, you know, yeah. you know, like I said, we've developed a method. Um, we don't know any, if anybody else is doing anything, you know, quite like it. And anybody who's interested in, in it, you know, we'd like to, you know, like them to come check us out. All right. And you know, I know you too well and know your your professional beliefs on this topic and other stuff related to firearms. And I know that you're not doing this as a way to flatter your ego or to try to, yeah, you're going to make money from it because people are going to come take the class because there's value in it. All right. Well, none of us are doing this for free. No. And, and very few right. of us are getting rich either. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. Okay. Now here's the thing. It becomes an ultra successful class. There are going to be people that try to, hmm, maybe I should offer a gateway instructor certification. You know, well, that's one of the things the market's going to have to bear. You know, have to look and and have to look (laughs) at it. Okay. Why is, why should I go take instructor Bob's gateway instructor certification class instead of Tiffany and Akil's gateway instructor certification class? Okay. Well, caveat after mm-hmm. yeah exactly draw, draw your own conclusion now here's what i'm going to look at is did they take tiffany to kills class or did they just put in their own label <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> well i mean i yeah. I, I know we're closing out i'm sorry to drag yeah. this out but it it, it yeah. reminds me of another point though that kill yeah. a story i can tell a story that hopefully <laughs> has has teachable moments but yeah. we akil and i went through a phase where we were trying our best to not get priced out of the market where we were trying to compete with folks who were grossly undercutting our price points and finally, Akil just said one day, "You know what? I I'm done. I we're going to yeah. charge what our what our what our class is worth, yep. and the people who want to take our class will take it, and the people who want the cheapest class they can find will take that, and that's fine. That's that's the beauty of freedom. You know, you have those choices, Choice. just like just like John Farnham said. And sure enough." Not only did we not lose any business over that, but we actually got more business and higher quality students. And so our experience as instructors was far, far, far enriched by us stopping competing with the, you know, the really, really underpriced instructors out there. We just, we just let, like you said, let, let the market, let the chips fall where they may. We're going to offer the best product that we can possibly offer. We're going to charge what we think it's worth. And we'll let the consumers decide where they want to take their business. Yeah, I increased the fees for my classes by over 50% per student and my enrollments went up. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I kind of had that same point too, as I was wanting to be like I said earlier, the best double A manager in baseball and was wanting to try to reach a segment of the population and get it. but one you got to have a feeder system into that if you're hooked in with a gun store like you guys you're between two metro areas and your state at the time required you know mm-hmm. a, a training class to to get the license you know the basic care license didn't have any of that here in georgia and i didn't have a lock in with a range and so okay i've got to do something to attract people that want to come to a class not that are coming to a class because they want to. And 
you know, a little bit there was market perception of, well, this guy's charging less than what these other guys charge. It's not, must not be as good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and then finally I had some of my students, regular people's or clients as Claude would, would, would teach me to say, <laughs> uh, staged, staged an intervention after a class one day and, uh, <laughs> and basically told me, explained it to me how I would be increasing my prices because they had gone to some other instructors and came back and said, there was more value over here. You're mm -hmm. under, you're underselling yourself. Yep. I had, yeah. a similar, I had a similar moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. You know. yeah. And I had a conversation with James Yeager. He came to see us. He actually spent the yeah. week with us, uh, well, a couple of days with us uh, in June yeah. of this year. Um, rest in peace, James Yeager. And he told me when he every time he raised his prices, and he's in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, up, up there yeah. in Camden. And he said every time he raised, he said his perceived value. He said, yeah. I kill his perceived value. He said, every time I raise my prices, I got more students. You know, yeah. but now he's also marketing, you know, is, yeah, you know, his, doing a really good job. And, yeah. you know, whatever you think about the man, he could market, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and sure. so, um, but yeah. uh, he, uh, you know, and I took that as, 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 as good advice. James Jager had a lot of good advice. He really did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You can disagree with him on a lot of things, but he knew how to market what he was selling. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. 5,000 a year. Yeah. He, he knew how to market what he was selling. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I never met him personally, to my knowledge. I was only in a room with him once. Well, at one event over multiple days, I saw him. Thing. Uh, I'd never even s spoke with him. Um, but I've had a chance to interact, you know, interact with some of his regular students. And I've been impressed with how good of students they are when mm -hmm. they step out of his, his, his realm. And I very much appreciate that. And I I know they're all mourning right now, mm -hmm. you know, and for them, you know, that's who I feel for now. Uh, I'm not, from what little I know about James, I'm not going to sit here and what was everything and act like I didn't know the man, but I know people who held, who had a high value for them and I know they're hurting right now. So mm -hmm. I, I feel for them and that that's mm -hmm. who I would like to express sympathy through tonight or condolences. Sure. Condolences to him. He exemplified that ethic. I mean, he 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 sent some, his instructor cadre to us to become NRA instructor certified, and I didn't expect him to come. And he showed up with them, and the guy sat in the classroom and was quiet and paid attention and asked questions and contributed. And if you see how he is in class, anybody who's had him in a class will tell you the same thing over his whole his whole career, is that you know he that how they act is how he acts. All righty. Well, anything you would like to say in closing? Akil. Thanks for having us, brother. Um, you know, I'm so glad I finally made it on Lee's show. And, it, and we... Uh, <laughs> it only took like six invitations. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we... Uh, and yeah, but, um, you know, come check us out. We're, we're uh, Citizen Safety Academy. Um, you know, citizensafety.com. Please, um, we, you know, we, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you know, we'll be in Cincinnati. Um, and we're hoping to roll it out, do more classes in the future, but this will be the inaugural. And, um, you know, anybody who's interested in this type of thing, please come hang out with us and have a good time. All right. Tiffany. We love you, Lee. <laughs> <laughs>
And I am, I feel like I have, you know, I've reached a milestone in my life <laughs> by appearing on the Lee Weems podcast. That Weems guy is such a mentor and idol of mine that I just am feeling really all warm and fuzzy right now. And I'm so excited to have had the opportunity to be on your podcast. Well, speaking of perceived value, I begged Tiffany for like two years to come teach a class through a local range. It won't work. All these Tiffany show up. <laughs> I forget how I finally got her to do it. And we had to turn people away for the class, didn't we? Tiffany? You did. That's true. I did not think it would sell. And it did. It did. We should do another one. Yeah, we should. Yeah, you, and all those other podcasts you've been on like every every other was just all preparation for you to be on the number one podcast producer. that's true you know i had right. to get lots lots of practice so that i could make right. sure i didn't let you down let your listeners down lee well it is the number one podcast that's produced and recorded in my kitchen that is true that's quite the high honor that's right it costs you know it, yeah it's not the only one that gets recorded here but it's the only one produced and recorded here <laughs> All righty, folks. Uh, as you can tell, lots of nonsense uh, abides when when we get together. Uh, it gets even worse if you add uh, Hearn and Murphy to the mix. Oh my God! <laughs> it, it, gets even, it gets even worse because uh, John wanted you know Tiffany to explain all the things that he's, she's learned from the Johns in in, in the show tonight, mm -hmm. and uh, and that, that, that was, the Johns, the, the, yeah, the, 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 the staff meetings. Uh, uh, they tend to go on late into the night with not much business accomplished until yes, Tiffany gets on to us about getting on track. Um, <laughs> so, kind of like the show tonight. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there and was a whole pre-show before the, before the show, guys. <laughs> it was interesting. And I hit, finally hit the record button when Tiffany told me it was time to hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> she did it politely. All right, so with that, folks, uh, we understand that your most important asset is your time. Thank you for choosing to spend it with us.